What does it take to get beyond the damage of words? I'm Katrina Collier. Join me each week as I explore what it takes to step into a happier future. My guests are sharing their stories of when they realized that they needed help and what it took to take that first step so that you leave inspired and maybe even start on your own path to self-love, care, compassion, and of course, happiness. So without further ado, let's hear their stories. Patrick Malarkey, welcome to Beyond the Damage of Words podcast. And I have to thank you, which of course anyone listening is not going to know, for washing your hair. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you led with that. Um, totally um, had to be done. It's looking fabulous. I'm so grateful. I mentioned <laughs> that before we came on the podcast. I was thinking all morning. I have to mention that. I have to mention that. Yeah, but that's the kind of light heart, light podcast it is, even though with serious topics. Speaking <laughs> of which, what led you into healing? We don't muck about here. We just get on with it. What led you into healing? So, what led me into healing, I suppose, was frustration. And um, annoyance at being limited by my previous circumstances, and yeah. I suppose accepting some limiting beliefs about myself, about my role, and in life in general. And then, um, what made you re- realise they were limiting, though? So I suppose there's two Usually things. You need to work and work that out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose there's two things. The first was kind of um, a couple of life events, like one at work specifically yeah. where I was like affected by just exposure to um, mm. a specific part of like my general trauma from childhood. Mm. And then prior to that, where I'd gone through some counseling previously, a couple of rounds um, yeah. to talk about it. And it's interesting. Um, there's a great phrase I heard in the context. It was in the context of sport mm. uh, kind of psychology and management. It's like, you never arrive. You never arrive. The idea being that kind of, yourself you're a work in progress your team the stuff the expertise you're trying to build out Mm. but what I hadn't realized I suppose the first round or Mm. go around with my kind of counseling and and the help I got was Mm. I was very binary and immature in terms of thinking and it's like my late 20s I remember it as a kind of oh done my course done my stint and that was fantastic (laughs) I got such value from that fixed (laughs) yeah and then then it was yeah and then and how (laughs) How naive, how um, how how full of privilege and entitlement that that view was at the time. Um, but I what I realised, people have that view though. So th- it's not an think- unusual view. You think, oh well, I've done that. I'm fixed now. Yeah, I Maybe think there's hope. Yeah, I think there's. I, I've got like a. Do you call it a preference or bias and assumption on this? I think in like especially in Western cultures, there's two mm. things at play. There is one is we don't talk about trauma especially men, um, we're not encouraged in terms of our archetypes, successful archetypes, mm. one form or another, to talk about trauma. I think that's changed a little bit, which is great. Yeah. But also um, people have trouble dealing with anything that's great. So like I say, a binary input-output uh, yeah. is easier to process and understand versus, say, something that's a bit more fluid. Um, mm. And people get strength from certainty. And sometimes you know, in terms of our personas and how we're feeling about life, that's not always feasible, visible. And what happened with like, I suppose the life event at work was, is like, I realized, wow, actually there's stuff here that I still carry around as baggage that perhaps might be in some form or another always there, 
what do I want to do with this? Because it's provided an anchor in the spaces I'm in, in a way that I don't want anymore, but I accept it might be, it's kind of like that check-in luggage when you get that cheap flight and you're like, I've got to check this in. I have to pay for that, but I didn't even want to bring it. Okay, fine, whatever. But I'm not I'm going to dump this stuff at the airport once I get the other side. So um, that's because it's a certainty. You're used yeah. to carrying it. It's familiar. I want to hold on to it. Yeah. So I remember that when I first started the work and it's like there's almost this reluctance to let go because, oh, you'll have a void. Yeah. yeah, you will. And it's wonderful and you fill it up with love and light instead of heavy. But it's maybe that's it. Maybe it's this certainty if I know, but I know where I'm at. And the truth is as well, like, and we talked a little bit about this in passing before we came on, mm-hmm. um, it's um, the stuff that served you to get yeah. you to your point in life, that, yeah. to, to achieve positive things as well. Like we talk about being solution orientated and how that comes out in our work. Yeah. That you also, there's a moment of truth and terror where you're like, hang about. <laughs> if I deal with some of these things I want to, does that mean those strengths, those overplayed strengths actually end up in the bin as well? Yikes. Like, who am I then? What am I? What do I do? Like, and so you kind of like a through the looking glass moment you kind of end up as well, which, which I think, again, to your point, people get conditioned and so they kind of want to veer away from this and stick with the certainty, even if it's perhaps unpleasant at times. And, not, and limiting and yeah exactly exactly oh, i've not thought of it that way that's really true isn't it so if i give that up i might give up that you know the independence and the creativity and the self-reliance and exactly yeah. and and then it's like when you think back again you never arrive it's like okay cool just because that was a strength then doesn't mean it's going to leave me but okay like how and where yeah. would i want it to show up if i had to be more deliberate about it if i was worried it would get lost in the transition of, mm. of the work and the healing I'm doing or whatever that is. So, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. All that's this from showering and washing my hair today. Let's give it up. <laughs> if you're listening, I tell you what, you're privileged. <laughs> I get my best thoughts in the shower, honestly. But just I get out and there's all these voice notes. So Apparently hey, it's I really sensory, sensory deprivation. It's it's part Isn't of that. I saw an interview. Like water with, on the head or something. Yeah, I saw an interview with Pharrell Williams where he talked about it, and he said yeah. part of it, like his musicality or whatever. But he said yeah. he read up on it. He was like, "Why does it always come there?" He's like, "I've got no distractions, a sense of deprivation, and it's kind of ah. like, yeah, interesting." Yeah. I remember actually Perry Tim's got me onto the old Aqua Notes, much as I've never gone that path, but I have a lot of voice notes, even recorded in the shower. Thank goodness the phones are waterproof these days. Um, <laughs> Way too much information. Um, <laughs> so you talked about, you, so you did the counselling and you were at the non-binary. What did you do after that? Where did you, oh, not non-binary, you're being very binary in your 20s. Yeah. What, <laughs> what, quite the opposite. What changed? So I suppose what, what, what changed. What happened next? Yeah, I suppose the first thing was like around that point in time of realising actually, look, you're, you're a, you're in progress, whatever happens. And, and yeah, in, in a, um, you, you're developing in terms of as a person, the characteristics. So you, you don't have to be led by your past, but just be conscious of it is it's being important. And secondly, was um, trying to articulate a little bit. And, and I was trying to think about ways about, okay, I'm going to cringe as I do this. This is the wrong context to use this, but stay with me for a moment narrating your work people talk about it in the people industry and i think i believe it is a thing i think it's really important and very helpful Mm. being of service to communities i was trying to think well how and where does that could that show up for for so you're saying narrating your work what does that mean then so there is talking out loud about 
okay, this is the stuff I'm working on, working through. Okay. Here are my assumptions or solutions I'm going to test or learn from or I, yeah. or I know in the past have worked and kind of articulate and sharing it. So you see it um, Ooh, you know, a one. lot on Instagram and LinkedIn where people talk about, like, this is what I'm – now, some of it, one of the spectrum is very full, so like, the Insta life mm. of like kind of, yep, got up at 5 a.m., smashed through <laughs> smoothie and did X, Y, Z. You're like, <laughs> do one. But then you see other people. Yeah, I'm so happy for you. I'm, yeah, exactly. I, I, I was asleep. <laughs> I'm hitting snooze. Um, then you see it other in the spectrum. People are like, this is a complex problem or issue I face. Do you have suggestions? Yeah. Here's my plan of attack anyway. And, and kind of narrating the experience of it. And oh, being vulnerable and doing it. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. It's, like, I think but it's vulnerable stops. as well, isn't it? Because yeah. anyone who's uh, got the, what's the, not the fear of being found out, the imposter syndrome. They'd be yes. like, Ooh. If I say to Patrick, I'm doing this and he laughs at me because I'm doing something wrong. Mm, Yeah, ooh, interesting. But it's staggering how it acts as a lightning rod when you start doing it. If people actually are drawn to it to actually either offer their view and help or actually it resonates, they might be working for it as well. So, like, borrowing that, um, I started trying to do kind of like some speaking and talking around it uh, publicly and events and stuff, organisations. And then I did a course with an organisation called The COA, which is the National mm-hmm. Association for Children of Alcoholics. Um, I strongly suggest if anyone has been affected by alcoholism in one form or another in their childhood, I'd check out this organisation. Um, just one, the work they're doing is fabulous, well, fantastic, like and much needed. Two, um, they've often been put at the fringes of um, sort of, I suppose, social and political life in the UK. It's, yeah. They've struggled as an organisation to, to get... Um, backing and visibility at times uh, for various reasons. And just the, yet there are so many children of alcoholics. It's that, mad, uh, yeah, and it's interesting. Um, well, actually, the, the last guest and my ex-husband and, <laughs> like, I just, I can think of at least five off the top of my head. Yeah, and it's mad. It's, well, I think this is a good uh, kind of illustration of the challenge around it is um, I'll get the names, the dates wrong, so I won't even bother to try, but um, there was a point in time when they were doing some a uh, government committee meeting where they're trying to present okay like, this is kind of what we do and then where we're yeah. going with this this is going back decades and there was a debate it's on the record it's like the notion of oh how or why would you support an organization like this because it will generate shame in alcoholics which might then escalate the problem and it's like wait hang on no, no one's looking to shame anyone but also we do need to have an adult conversation and kind of bring <sighs> this and yeah and um, so, but that kind of illustrates the challenge around the topic yeah. area. And, and what I did was, um, if, if anyone's interested as well, you can check out their website for this. They do like training for um, for speakers. If you're interested to like volunteer and go into organizations mm. or bodies or schools, whatever it is, and they'll like, okay, cool. They'll do, it was during COVID we did it. So it was like a bunch of Zoom calls. Like yeah. I think it's, it works out. It's like a day and a half, two days worth of training, workshopping. And they give you like an overview of like the circumstances, the psychology of it. And what I got aside from, you know, feeling more confident to talk about it was also, wait, I recognize some of the cues and clues of my own upbringing. And as well, myself as a persona, like how and where certain behaviors have shown up and not just like parked like in the context of like stuff around lifestyle and alcohol, but even like general everyday behaviors about how I operate, how I work, how I deal with stress, how I deal with yeah. confrontation and so on. Um, and so like, I suppose by trying to narrate the work, the story a bit more around my own experience, what I actually found, I was staggered. I found out a hell of a lot more about myself and yeah. kind of how I got to where I was today. 
Because I mean, it, it's it's all learned behaviour, isn't it? Yeah. You learned coping mechanisms to survive your childhood, and then you took them off into adulthood. Yeah, yeah. And I, mean, that I was, always do I this. Found just... When I was talk, like started writing the damage of words, which has been, I mean, when you talk about uh, what were your, I wrote your words down actually. You are in progress. I love that. The, you know, as I've written it out, I've healed so much more stuff. Mm. But just the the way I would repeat everything back. You know, everything I heard that was traumatizing, I just repeat back and repeat back, and it's mm. the same. And then I would act out the behaviors that I learned to cope. To yeah. Cope. yeah. And, and like again, it's like if you've if you've been in a scenario situation where I learned behavior, your expectations for, for yourself become ingrained, but also your mm. solutions and your approach. Um, yeah which can be good, but also be hugely, hugely limiting. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was, I suppose. Um, yeah, and it was just, it was. It was, it was, it was quite unexpected as well, because it sounds like well, you went on the course really just to learn how to speak about it. And then suddenly you're going, wow. And you learned a lot about yourself and you probably healed a lot of stuff as well. It was interesting. Yeah. And it was interesting because like, you know, in my background, I run like events and workshops and for mm. learning and leadership. But like yeah. when you flip it and have to go back, back to school in inverted commas <laughs> yeah. um it kind of it, it's, it's amazing doing that and then there's such a reflective space as well um and so I'm conscious as well especially like you know I'm based out of the UK um Irish citizen Irish heritage like culturally mm-hmm. yeah this stuff is so present um in yeah. terms of like our everyday lives but again mm-hmm. to your point earlier don't really have dialogue or, or talk around it, despite the facts, no. as you illustrated there, of like your recent guests and so on. It's prevalent, perhaps in the way perhaps we don't want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's rife. Mm. And it's it's funny because we were talking about where I live, weren't we? And I, I described it um, <clears throat> not very flatteringly. And there is so much alcoholism and, oh, and drug taking. I just like literally outside the front door. Mm. I can just walk around the area and it's just people are suffering and then they numb mm. because they don't. They're not brave. Well, that sounds awful. Or they, they, they're too scared to speak up and go and get some help or, you know, even just to start with the counselling or whatever the NHS offers and just start mm. there. And it's, it's, it's scary to do that. It's easier to grab a bottle and numb it and not feel it. Yeah. And, it's, um, and that ruins everyone around them. But It's accessible. It's cheaper. And it's simpler. accessible. Yeah. So, um, and just a, like, kind of disclaimer, like, I, I had a, an upbringing of relative privilege like my parents like are brilliant people but to your Mm -hmm. point perhaps they didn't have the resources or systems to support themselves at various junctures in their life um i've got a brother um and like we're super close and Mm. we're both like in the world of work and kind of he's doing his thing i'm doing mine like Mm. relative to some people's experience that's a success story so yeah kind of to acknowledge that as well but um like you say also I, I found that it was funny, again, I mean, you know, setting out my story uh, in the ch- in the first chapter mm. and I grew up in what would be middle-class Sydney, you know, the upper North Shore of Sydney. Um, it's a very wealthy area, big house, had a bed, I had food, I had all of that stuff and I was emotionally and physically abused. Mm. And it was like, but I ha- I went to private school. I mean, I and, and look what I've done for myself. You know, it's, it's – and it's funny because you – I do think a lot of people end up in a like almost a trauma competition. They're like, well, mm. I'm doing okay. I'm doing well. So I won't deal with the stuff that would make me feel happier and healthier and whole and, mm. you know, live longer and not pass on the trauma. And unfortunately there's just that 
a lot of that generational trauma, but it, it's it's there in all the classes and all systems and mm. all whether privileged or not privileged. Mm. Um, and I, I think whoever it just doesn't feel happy or doesn't feel as happy as they could be, mm. you know, can do something about it and deserves to do something about it. I yeah. think that's the other. There, but I, I know what you mean because it was when I was writing it, I wanted to go. I was actually going to put a picture in and then decided not to, but it was like you can see here what the problem is. You know, here's me looking very clothed and pretty going off on my first day of kindergarten in front of a huge house, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, didn't mean it didn't happen. No, <laughs> so, no. Yeah. And again, and then that those children are then having children and can be passing it on. So that's yes. a lot of it. So what did you do after? Do, have you had other stuff that you've done? Um, I know you've just been through a fabulously long, sarcastic, sarcastic job search, which really impacted you know, how you feel about yourself and stuff like that. So do you have a toolkit or have you done more work? What have you been up to? Basically? What have been up to? So I suppose... Um, <laughs> more is fascinated by what keep, people keep doing. So, yeah. What... I sp- Did we say this before we started recording or just after? I'm not sure, but we'll, we'll circle back around to it anyway. I'll, I want to go there, so we'll, we'll go there anyway. Yeah. What I've... So for context, I've been on roughly a 10-month job search. Um, yeah. Which is I wish just, I'd known that earlier. I'm so sorry I didn't know. Literally. Well, for five, oh, I mean, it's, oh, it's fixed now. So, like, you know, God, yeah. And the thing I've been doing or realizing mm. is actually community is key. Um, yeah. Not, look, I, I mean, people call it like your network is your net worth and all that. Yeah, I get it. Like, notionally, that mm-hmm. it totally makes sense. But also, it's your headspace. Um, I found just when you're, when you leave a role or an organization, you're kind of uprooted a little bit from that community. And and if it's not of your own choosing in terms of timing or otherwise, it's, Mm. it can feel very abrupt and very rough and be like isolating. Yeah. Isolating is the word. Mm. Um, so what I've learned and what I found is, is, is just being deliberate about reaching out to people to almost with no intent. Or output from a conversation and just being yeah. willing and hopeful just to kind of can we just shoot the shit for half an hour yeah. and call like can we just yeah. like talk about nothing and some of my yeah. most i suppose recharging moments for my resilience were like weeks where i was like right i can't control the market i can't control the current processes i'm in because you know i'm not gonna get back this time or date or whatever mm. But what I can do is control like how do i fill my day in terms of the people and energy i want to yes. have around me um, yeah. Now, disclaimer: you do have to kind of accept you're the first thing to get dropped if a competing priority comes through the door. I, if you've got a ten o'clock coffee break lined up with Jim or Sarah down the road at the last place you used to work or wherever it is, mm. if their manager puts in a ten a.m. at five minutes notice, they're not coming to that call. But yeah. you, you, you might not even find out till you're like after the event. So you've got yeah. to build up kind of a bit of resilience to that, but don't, I'd say to anyone who's in that situation, keep going and keep reaching out. Um, yeah. There is like a approach anxiety I think you develop over time, not just in the context mm. of people, but also um, uh, application of processes and you end up not wanting yeah. to be seen at points. I'd say, yeah. however, wherever you can be seen, whatever that means to you. Um, mm. I knew when, um, quick story, so like, um, for um, my birthday, which was in September, my wife got us tickets to see 
Virgo, yes, he, Virgo, he did tell me that. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well remembered. Um, you did write the funniest thing on the little booking form. You're the only person that's ever done that. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> that's Virgo's for you. Um, she got me tickets to see Jessie Ware at the Alexandra Palace. I mean, she, I've just discovered Jessie Ware over the last couple of years. Massive fan. Yep. I remember which generated a lot of anxiety. We got towards the day of the gig. I think it was around October, November time. I was like, Hang on a sec, how are we going to get there? How we did like, like if we drive, how much does that cost in petrol? When we get there, can we eat or drink? Like, what's the budget? What's it? Yeah, but then the next day we've got other things on, and then like, yeah. And in the end, I I got to such a point. I was like, actually, I can't go to this. I don't want to be seen here. I don't want to. And I remember my wife talking. She was like, "What is this about? What's going on?" I was like, worth, I literally like, yeah. I was like, I can't do this this week. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be seen. And she's like, okay, well, one, alarming, but two, I've got to sell these tickets and no one's going to buy them. Um, and we had to let the tickets go. And I remember the thing <gasps> the week afterwards yeah. and I didn't go. Yeah. Um, I a silver... say, and I went anyway and it was amazing. No, it's no, no, no. when you don't want to go to something and you go. <laughs> Being totally real. No, I remember I really put my foot down about it. I really got in a strop about, about it. I, I, I'm sensing it was about you didn't feel worthy of having that amazing thing happening while you were in the middle of all of this other exactly crap. and yeah i couldn't articulate at the time but she was my wife was great she's like look oh, we don't isn't... see our own stuff yeah. <laughs> why well, you she's... need a professional <laughs> yeah and she's like look kind of if you really don't want to go that's cool but also this is for you regardless of other things going on like you've earned and deserve this um you know so like, but I respect your wishes because I was like, no, I've got to travel, be a nightmare getting there and back. All the, all the, all the practical things that there was a solution for yeah, just suddenly became mountains. It's London, you could have got there. <laughs> I mean, oh, anyway, um, I remember thinking the week after, I was like, hang about, what's this saying or kind of telling me? Well, like, if yeah. that's a deliberate choice, cool, but I don't feel happy with the consequence of like not seeing this artist who I love. I'm not a big gigger. Mm. So this was would have been yeah. a big deal for me to go anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, believe me, I understand that. I saw Pink in summer. That is the first concert I think I've seen in about fifteen years. I literally don't. I'm I was quite happily, love her, and I'm going I'll, for that. <laughs> I will quite happily download the live album of that event. Yeah, yeah. Listen to it on repeat. There's like a Queen's yeah, Stone Age at Glastonbury. I love watching that video back. I would dread being there. Um, yeah. But then I was like, okay, hang on. What does this mean? Where is it? Yeah. Is this of service to me, this kind of behavior? I'm not sure. No. Um, and then it's kind of like, I did like a reset, reboot. So that was around like um, going October into November. I was like, okay, cool. Mm. Kind of got a ditch, whatever this approach anxiety around th this was representing. Because it's not, Jesse Ware is not a threat to your life. <laughs> it's not going to be a negative consequence. Anxiety. So it's like approaching people, which you've been doing through your job search and getting knocked back i assume which is where the self-worth yeah and it was okay. sort okay. of and it was be, oh. be almost like in my mind it was like i can't do small talk i can't like there might be some random people you just but like you do it again you might just start talking to a stranger and get to know like mm. it's like i can't face doing that just this over the weekend like because i feel like i'm having to pour a lot of energy into that in other mm. activities by the way, all in good faith on my side, hiring managers, recruiters' side, that's just how it is sometimes. Um, yeah, but it, no, no, no. Go on, counterpoint. I'm you, here you're for talking it. to the woman who is so angry that recruiters, companies, hiring managers ghost 
candidates. So, and I'm talking the ghost people who've been in the interview process, you know, which leaves people down and depressed. So actually, no, <laughs> many of them do do a great job and many of them don't want to have the conversation to, they call it displace, I call it reject people. Mm. So, but it's actually really interesting to hear. Like, I, I, I love that. I, I shouldn't love the wording, but approach anxiety is really interesting because we all have that where we're scared to approach somebody. And it's so rare that if you ask somebody for help that they won't give it. No, exactly. And a lot of that can also go back for anyone who's had emotional neglect or child abuse or anything like that when you're yeah, you know, hyper-independent, you know, it's like, oh, I can't ask for help. Like we yeah. were talking before we came on, <laughs> asking yeah. for help for me last year to 51. <laughs> finally asked someone for some help and they said yes. <laughs> it's like, oh. It's so funny, yes, isn't it? Work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting right. to your point, like around the, the recruiters, not to veer too much as a recruitment angle, it's like, because mm. there's so little you can control, you have to, ex- I, I had to, my rationale was I have to accept certain truths. Yeah. So um, it was like a journal of like these rules, not rules, but observations I came up with that's going to form like this LinkedIn post in the next month. It's mm. like around things I have to accept, even though they make me unhappy. So for example, you say about ghosting. Um, yeah. I'd been ghosted uh i accepted or my 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 rule or belief was if you get past first or second stage mm. uh you could be annoyed to be ghosted after that but you can't i can't waste energy being ghosted on first or second stage roles because it's too prevalent so so yeah to hang up wow. like not to, it's not a defense of it That's, in any way shape no, or form no. but I'm like okay how much Bye. headspace am i going to allow for a call with an agency or recruiter that so that's stage one for argument's sake stage two might be meeting the hiring manager um and then but if i don't hear back after that first Mm -hmm. stage now in fairness like very rare the second stage happens where you don't hear something back one way or the other over a period of time but i was like i'm um just i was like that first stage especially like you i just gave up chasing certain people like i kind of um laura brightman I was going to say, she's got a great approach for this, where she's like, yeah. you can follow up three times, six six working days at a time, and then after that, just let it go. And that kind of worked for me. I was like, okay, if I'm not getting a response, that's cool. Just park it in terms of the outcome. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, I get if you're dealing with an agency, mind you, that full them because one day you're a client. But I'm more thinking if you've spoken to an in-house recruiter, talent acquisition, and then a hiring manager. I mean, to me, if you've had a a, a screening call with an in-house recruiter at a company, you should be getting feedback. Even if it's I, just an email saying, I'm really sorry, we're not proceeding. Just yeah. so you have closure because we all want closure. Yeah, and my other thing is as well. Like, it goes back to the beginning when you were talking yeah. about certainty. Yeah. yeah and I'm like, well done, you. Yeah, I, I don't mind a lack of feedback. Just give me the outcome. I, I can, yeah. I can, I can just... You know to I, move on. Yeah, exactly. But like... Um, so you still got that little glimmer of hope going on. I mean, it's great that you were able to find a way to deal with that but you shouldn't have to deal with that i totally agree totally concur it doesn't feel Again, fair but second business book is coming for the managers to make them understand more about yeah <laughs> actually the other thing i want to do is speak at the um well i've been invited to speak at a hr tech event and, and really talk to these tech providers as well to make sure that they're providing technology that's fit for purpose as well because mm. not all applicant tracking systems allow someone to get knocked back really easily either it's all mad anyway i've gone off topic onto my other stuff that i don't want to talk about i want to talk about you because you're fabulous um 
<laughs> so have you ever gone back and sought like other professional help or done any, have you had any interesting experiences where you're like, oh God, that was amazing. Um, or is it just really? Yeah. So I've done like CBT therapy, uh, cognitive behavior therapy um, yeah. via counselors. I think that's been a form of, like twice it was declared as part of the format at the start. It's like mm. kind of the counselor would say like, oh, I'm taking this approach to my yeah. um, counseling or like I think this would be appropriate. So, but three times like I've had a form of counseling. It's interesting as well. Like um, this might be more of a North American thing. It seems to be like a mm. thread or pattern that people would talk yeah. more openly about having a therapist, e- even mm. in like just as part of almost their like everyday life, even yeah. rather than waiting for after the event of a form of tragedy trauma otherwise or challenge mm. it's almost as part of their their routine but um what i found i suppose uh the the weight it lifted especially that first mm-hmm. set of counseling um yeah. i had around 2008 or so mm. um and she, she was fantastic fabulous um just in terms of having a sense of the person in front of them, how to be of service. And I'd say yeah. to anyone who's um, considering or pondered it, like getting some counseling resource or help, like absolutely mm-hmm. do it. You have no idea where it might take you exactly. and it might challenge your assumptions about yourself. Mm. That's that's a good thing. That's a great mm-hmm. thing in terms of just to, to understand yourself better. Um, and it, it will ask a lot of up, you. Isn't it? So- yeah. And it's you know, um, this pattern of behavior, and you know, this might be the reason. And yeah, you know, it's, it's quite yeah. interesting. And it was, it, and it's, and what I'd say to people as well is like, what you intend to turn up and talk about if you are going to go there, you might also have to accept is not the thing you end up speaking about. <laughs> it's never what you talk about. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And, um, I used to find it interesting. I'd get sick before a session as well when it was going to be. So I did a lot of inner child work. And so mm. Michelle Zelly, I mean, she calls herself a, a, a coach, but she's got a massive toolkit. So it was always going forward, but we did have to heal the past. But yeah, the inner child work. So if there was going to be a session that was going to actually be particularly healing, it was amazing health and I'd get sick. It was like my subconscious knew Oh, well, you can't go because this is going to change your life for the better. Mm. <laughs> you can't go because it's a bit scary. So mm. that sort of stuff as well. So I wrote about that in the memoir because I feel that people need to be aware that mm. just it's almost like you know. So just and again, it's, it's all cues and clues. Like, is this yeah. of service and help to you? Cool, crack on, keep going oh with it. Get past Ill. the little inner voice that's trying to hold you back and keep you small and safe. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and like um. I, I, I just thinking back to those sessions as well i remember there's quite there was one one in particular mm. where it came in so like i don't describe it like hot basically hot yeah. and angry right yeah. from the start of the session and i remember it was the, it's the only one at that point in time where um she's i can't remember how she worded or said it but she was like okay mm. how are you getting home off this tonight who is aware or understands that you're going home and you when you're going to mm. arrive there and like yeah like, because there was a level of kind of like understanding there was something big I was going through at that point in time. Yeah. But also, I re- looking back and I realised part of what drove that was, and this goes back to your point earlier, it's like the realisation of actually, you know, look, circumstances are one thing, but I feel like I deserve better than than this yeah. this pack of cards I've been dealt. And actually, yeah. I, I definitely was let down inadvertently by certain circumstances. Mm. But now I can do something about it or at least try and move towards something 
better for, from that. Yeah. And again, like it's this a, is a bit of a model. There is no parenting manual. They don't intend to pass all this stuff on or screw their children up. That is not a, so, and and the thing is as not well, at like all. so we, you know that should almost be a caveat for all these conversations. But if you don't feel great, you can do something about it. That's exactly, right. exactly. And I said it as a parent now is like I'm conscious. Like there's stuff I'm doing or points of yeah. reference my son is taking from my behaviour is like is perhaps not my best self showing up or not the stuff mm-hmm. I'd wanted to repeat. But he. He might end up doing. Yeah. Um, Do you think like, that will encourage you to keep like working through some of that stuff that you'd like to heal from your childhood? Yeah, it's interesting. It's like um, just like a example. It's um, like for example, journaling is like a thing. It's very helpful to me. Just the first thing in the morning, yeah, get out whatever's on my mind. A few sentences, mm. stuff like he started doing that himself in terms of start oh, reflecting on it. Yeah, on his own confidence and stuff like that. What does it mean and um, yeah. How old is he? He is nine. He's just turned nine in November. Um, and it's interesting, yeah. you can see certain wheels are turning around identity, self-perception, yeah. self-worth um, in the school playground and elsewhere. Um, yeah. And I, I think how it's like kind of showing up in terms of like how I want to operate as a parent and a partner to my wife as well mm-hmm. is um, just being conscious and open about actually, again, mm-hmm. work in progress. So just be conscious around are you happy yeah. with the direction of travel you're going in? And if not, do something about it in terms of your own behaviour or speaking to others. Um, yeah. And again, it's all kind of like interweaves a bit of the what we talk about, mm. the job stuff and other stuff earlier as well. It's like yeah. your world starts to get stressful when it feels small. Therefore, yeah. to expand it out, you need to talk to other people, whether that's in terms yeah. of just shooting the shit, like I said earlier, yeah. or whether it's something more formalised that helps yeah. your headspace and lift yeah. off the weight off your shoulders. And again, I repeat it for any men specifically, like other people too of, of any description, mm-hmm. but specifically for men listening to this, there's a hero yeah. archetype we're kind of encouraged to buy into for, for culturally or otherwise. You don't have to be that hero archetype. And actually real courage and her- heroic behavior is about asking yeah. for help as well. And and it is so damaging to self to yeah. hold in the emotions. I was interesting, again, you know, researching for the memoir, I was – you know, my, my dad had heart disease and I knew mm. he suppressed his anger. And then I saw there's a direct correlation. Suppressing anger leads to heart disease. And you start mm. reading up, suppressing this leads to this, doing this leads it. It's like our bodies will express it somehow. Mm. Mm. So, you know, just, just deal with it. Yeah. If anybody would like to chat to you further yeah. or just reach out, it, it, LinkedIn, is that, dare I say it? <laughs> now they're back off the naughty step. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that is the spot. That's like probably yeah, the only easy. place. Sorry? Just the easiest place if I just put a link to your LinkedIn and they can. Yeah, if anyone's interested to talk more, that's just probably easiest. Um, just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, but thank you. I think that's really encouraging, isn't it? Just speak up. Get You talk to people. And also I think when you were talking about the professionals, often the people you talk to will say, hey, have you thought of talking to someone? Because they yes. know people. Everyone knows people. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So uh, take action. Anyone who's pondering it or listening to this, thinking that, to treat, it, treat it as like an experiment. No, there's, there's no like success or failure. You're just experimenting to see where this might take you. Yeah. Take action. And if, you, if you're happy to look after your physical health, why not your mental health? Exactly it's, that. Exactly it's a no-brainer, that. isn't it? Oh, thank you so much, Patrick. Not at all. Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Damage of Words. How brave, how vulnerable, all to inspire listeners like you to take a step or inspire others to take a step. Imagine what healing we could create if we normalise this conversation 
So please pass this on and of course subscribe so we can do just that. Until next time, thank you.